Welcome to Hope Church Online with Hope Church Birmingham. I'm Adam, the lead pastor, and like I like to say, the lead podcaster for our Hope Church podcast. And we are so honored that you would tune in with us for this week's audio message. And every time we gather together, our goal is that you will find hope and be equipped to bring that very hope to a world in need. And so as you listen to today's message, I hope you'll be encouraged and that you'll find a little hope in the name of Jesus. Let's dive right in to this week's audio message. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're in a a public place, maybe you're at the grocery store and you're walking with your cart and you're pushing and you've got your, your basket full of bread and milk and then all of a sudden you see someone from a distance across in the grocery store that that looks familiar and it looks like someone you know and so you do a nice wave you know and then you get closer and realize that wasn't them or or maybe you've been driving and you're like oh I see that car that's my aunt Susie and then all of a sudden Aunt Susie pulls up and you wave and that's not Aunt Susie maybe I'm the only one who just can't see far distances away. But uh, recently, uh, as many of you know, I am both bivocational. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Church, but also I am a, I work at a local city library here in town. And I was working at the library one day when someone walked up and I was like, hey, how are you doing, Miss Blank? And I said the name and I kind of kept talking and the lady kind of looked at me a little odd and then she left. As soon as she left, my coworker said, that was not Miss Blank. That was Miss Blank. And I go, oh, I thought that was her. <laughs> Maybe you found yourself in a similar situation before. And it's not that we're doing the wrong thing. It wasn't that I was doing the wrong thing by, by greeting this patron to the library. But the truth is I was recognizing incorrectly. And today, the title of my message is, you better recognize better. Say that with me. You better recognize better. As many of you know, that we are kicking off our series on the book of Jonah today. And Jonah is a familiar character when we look at the Bible. Uh, but you may be like me as a child. When I thought of the story Jonah, I would somehow had also watched the movie Pinocchio one too many times. And if you're not familiar with Pinocchio, Pinocchio gets swallowed by a big whale named Monstro. So anytime I was be in church and I would hear the story of Jonah, I would start to imagine Pinocchio, Jonah, and Monstro and this weird puppet cartoon image of the story of Jonah. But Jonah's whole story, the whole book, it's just four chapters, could be summed up in a simple statement. Jonah struggled to recognize properly. Or as our title of this week's message says, he should have embraced the, he, the better recognize better. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking in-depth looks at the entirety of Jonah. We're going to be going through some passages. We're going to walk through and sit in some. Maybe even today is only a few verses long. And then next week, we'll cover a lot more verses. And then the following weeks, we may do a whole chapter in one message. But what I want us to do is I want us to come familiar with the story of Jonah, not just from what 
society or culture knows about Jonah, but really an in-depth look of Jonah. Because the truth is, the more we look at Jonah, we realize that the story is not just about this well-known minor prophet. What we realize is we can learn much from him, but also we can learn much about God. And so before we jump into the passage, I do want to give us a little context on what we're going to be reading that will help us understand with a little perspective as we read the next few weeks. So even if you hear this today and you next week you jump in and you go, what was that that we were talking about? Who was Jonah? What was his book summarized into? You can come back to this point of this audio message and you'll find a little more insight and context on who Jonah was. So the question, who is Jonah? Well, His book in the Bible is categorized as a minor prophet. There are some prophets in the Old Testament we see that can have a big role, and he's categorized within the minor prophets. What is a prophet? Is that somebody who comes around and just starts quoting my sins in my face? Is that someone who's going to give me a vision? Is that someone who reads my hands? No. Um, In the Bible, and biblically we know, a prophet is someone who is a messenger from God or for God. And when we look at Jonah, we realize he's only mentioned really in the book of Jonah. And then we see him referenced in 2 Kings 14, 25, prophesying to the king Jeroboam of Israel. And we know that his name is Jonah. His dad's name was Amittai. And Jonah, the name actually means dove in Hebrew. Kind of something to hold on to there. And he lived about 800 years before Jesus was born. And he lived at a time when Israel had a strong resurgence, but at the same time, they lived in a place where Assyria was nearby with huge political and military strength. So that's who Jonah was. Now, if we take a look at who, let's look at his book. Who wrote the book of Jonah? Well, scholars say we don't truly know the author, but we do know it is written in third person as a written as a historical account. So this could have been told by Jonah to the writer, or it could have been just a historical account. Someone knew the situation and wrote about it. What I mentioned earlier is there are only four chapters in this book. You know, you think the book told titled Jonah could tell you all about Jonah, but it's really even more of a guide to the character of God. See chapter one, which is what we're going to be in this week and next, we see that God is sovereign. Chapter 2 talks about how God is a deliverer. Chapter 3 talks about how God is merciful. Chapter 4 talks about how God is righteous. So we have this minor prophet who grew up in a world where he loved God and his nation, and he had been used by God as a messenger to, to help change the king's leadership. While he also lived in a where there was political tensions and national tensions between the powerful Assyria. God had used him greatly, and here we are in Jonah 1.1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me repeat that. God said, arise, go to Nineveh and call out against it. And verse three said, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So we see Jonah was told to do two things, go to Nineveh, 
rebuke them and call them to repentance. So if you say, what did God tell him? Go and bring to repentance. So we see then Jonah does neither and he flees the Tarshish. This is important to understand distance to kind of give you some details because I imagine many of you listening do not know where Tarshish is. But we do know that Jonah was in a city called Gath Hepfer in Israel. Nineveh was only about 500 miles from his hometown of Gath Hepfer. If you know, 500 miles would be like driving down to Florida. But he heads to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away. That would be like driving from Hoover, Alabama to Los Angeles, California and going further beyond that. I mentioned earlier that Assyria was a powerful nation. So why would Jonah try to run away that far? You see, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, which today is modern-day northern Iraq. And they were powerful and they were wicked. Let me tell you guys, these people were so wicked, they would do human sacrifices on the regular to pagan gods. Sometimes they would just kill people just for the heck of it. They would play murder games in war. Not only that, they would cut off the heads of their enemies in war and bring them home and stack them outside of their homes and their neighborhoods to say, this is how bad we are. You see, this seems like a big problem. (laughs) But the issue for Jonah wasn't that he had a difficult situation to face. The problem with Jonah was that he allowed his problem to be bigger than God. If we allow God to be bigger than our problems, our problems will seem small. Do we have a big God and a small problem or a big problem and a small God? I believe as a church, we need to hear this and Jonah really needed to hear it that day that God is bigger than our problems. God is bigger than a Nineveh. God is bigger than evil and he will use us if we choose not to flee. You see, I can imagine Jonah. God had used him as a mouthpiece with his word as a prophet. He's serving effectively as a prophet, and God comes up and says, hey, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. You see, I don't think Jonah didn't mind being a prophet. He didn't mind being God's mouthpiece. But what I do think he minded is I think he minded being interrupted. You see, God called him to go do something. And I believe Jonah viewed that call as an interruption. (laughs) Maybe you can associate with that. Maybe as a person... You hate interruptions. I dislike interruptions. We're a culture who's built on to-do lists, tasks lists. i got to accomplish this three tasks this morning before I get out the door. I've got to do this today before I make it home. I've got to pay this bill. I've got to do this. I've got to go to work, and I've got to make this presentation, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. And we dislike interruptions. And if we're not careful, we can be like Jonah, who's doing good things for God's kingdom, but when God comes around, we view him as an interruption. Hear me, church. God doesn't just merely interrupt his servants. He intervenes. There's a difference. When God comes in and he calls us to something, he's not interrupting Jonah. He's not interrupting you and I. He's intervening. That friendship that you have that might have just disappeared all of a sudden might not have been a coincidence. Maybe it was God intervening. That red light that made you run late to your appointment might have been God 
saving your life. That phone call from a friend who needs counseling might be the very thing your friend needs to hear to stop going into a tunnel of depression. Some of us are so thrown off when our schedule doesn't go according to plan. We want to hold everything in our hands. We, we need these, this week to look like this. We need this six months to look like this. We need five years to look like this. And we just want to hold on to everything. But friends, if we want to walk into a life of fulfillment, we must let go of some things and let God have control. Simply, we need to let go and let God. C.S. Lewis, the author, said, We must stop regarding unpleasant or unexpected things as interruptions of real life. The truth is that interruptions are real life. You see, Jonah viewed his call to Nineveh as a difficult interruption, but I believe it was a divine intervention. Today, I'm going to kind of break this thought. You know, I mentioned the title of the message, You Better Recognize Better. I want us to look at two ways we can recognize better in our call. The first one is this, recognize divine intervention. You see, God graciously gives divine interventions to his children. When he intervenes with us, we get an opportunity to partner with God in purposes that we could never imagine. God's interventions are a holy privilege. God calling you means he has chosen you above anyone else, whether it's parenting a child with special needs, whether it's having a a coworker who is struggling with alcoholism and you have a voice in their life, whether it's starting a Bible study or reaching out to those who have hurt you, much like Jonah. God has given us a high honor to help partner with him when he intervenes in our life and calls us to something that may be viewed as a difficulty. We have to start recognizing God's hand as a privilege so that it's not viewed as an interruption. What if we viewed him with his interruptions or interventions as thankfulness and anticipate with the question, what is God going to do with me today? Instead of going, what am I, what do I have to do today? What are my to-do list things? What if we started our morning and go, God, what do you want to do with me today? That is a way of having a perspective that receives and is receptive of divine intervention. I had a friend one time who was volunteering at a church and his task was to be the missionary's host. There was a missionary family coming in. They were, they were going to be the guest speakers for that day. And so he was getting ready and he was running behind on his way to church. And he's like, I got to get there. Got to get there. I've got to host the missionary family on his way there. He felt like the Lord was guiding him and speaking to him saying, Hey, you need to help someone on the side of the road. And he was like, I don't have time. I normally would. Then he pulls up next to a red light. And sure enough, there's a family on the side of the road. Looked like their car battery had died. He looked at them. They looked like a nice family, but he said, I got to keep going. I've got to be the volunteer. I got to be the missionary host. It's my job today. So he kept on driving. When he got to the church, he was there, got in the station, put on his name badge, ready, got to his, his place and waited for the missionaries. Well, five minutes were passed when they were supposed to be there. Still no missionaries. 10 minutes passed. Still no missionary family. 20 minutes passed, still none. An hour has passed, still no missionary family. And now we are five minutes away from the church service getting ready to begin. The church countdown starts. The worship begins to begin when a taxi cab pulls to the front of the church. 
unloads the very same family my friend, the missionary host, drove by on the side of the road. You see, that family, their car battery died on the way to the church that morning. They were scheduled to speak about their country that they were missionaries to and to um, raise awareness of what God was doing in that nation. And my friend had a task to host, to care, and to welcome this family. And he was so focused on the task that he really missed the whole purpose, which was to be a host, to welcome those who needed to be welcomed. And he missed an opportunity to really show how awesome his church was because he was so focused on the task. Why do I tell you that? I think sometimes we are focused on position more than the purpose. And I think maybe that's what Jonah was facing. I think Jonah liked being a prophet. I think Jonah didn't mind being used by God to speak to kings. He didn't mind that position. But when God said, hey, I've got more for your purpose, he said, no thanks, I'm going to flee to Tarshish. (laughs) To me, that shows that I think he allowed his position to hold more weight than his purpose. We've got to recognize when God is divinely intervening. The second thing we need to recognize is yielded submission. In our passage of Jonah today, he not only viewed God's call as an interruption, but he refused to submit to it. It'd be a whole different story if Jonah was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to do this, but I'll do it anyways. You kind of see that with Gideon. You know, Gideon didn't really want to be used as a general, but God used him and he gave in after some waiting periods of fleeces, but he still gave in. Well, Jonah does the opposite. He not only views his interruption, but he refuses to submit. And I mentioned it earlier, and we'll see it next week as we finish out this chapter. God is sovereign, which means he is superior to all things, all plans. It means he is in ultimate control. God's sovereignty does three things. God's sovereignty calls us to submission, calls, it provides comfort, and God's sovereignty inspires us to worship him. Psalms 145:17, the psalmist said, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. I believe Jonah had forgotten who God was and that he was sovereign and that he was good. And he also forgot who he himself was. God was sovereign and was in charge. But Jonah didn't act like he was that God. Then also, I believe Jonah was feeling his calling, but not not the calling of going to go make a difference. Some of us may be like Jonah. God, I'll go do whatever you want me to do, but I'm not called to watch children. (laughs) God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I'm not going to go pray with that homeless person. You know what we're called to do, Christians? We are called to love and to live out the Great Commission and do whatever it takes for that to be accomplished. Why? Because God is sovereign. Not only did Jonah forget who he was, he forgot he was the prophet Jonah. What did I say his name meant? It meant dove. I don't think it's a coincidence in the Bible that we see the Hebrew word Yonah, which is dove, uh, when Noah sent 
a dove to retrieve an olive branch from the ark after the flood. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove and Jonah's name is dove. I'm not trying to connect things that aren't there. I just think it is no coincidence that his name means dove, which in that time would be used as a bird to be sent to things. You see, Jonah forgot that he was a prophet meant to be sent to a people who were in need. When we recognize that God is sovereign, we recognize that we are sent and we can walk in confidence that the Holy Spirit is with us. That's what I see in the name of Jonah. That's who I see with Jonah. In this moment, Jonah forgot that he was living for a sovereign God. He forgot that he was sent for a purpose and he forgot that he could walk in confidence that the Holy Spirit was with him. Friends, hear me today. Divine intervention plus yielded submission equals eternal significance. Jonah missed it at the beginning of this passage. And as you know, the story will continue and we'll continue to look at this, this great beautiful image of God redeeming Jonah who ran away. But in this moment, we see that God is divinely intervening in his life, and he's run, but Jonah still runs away from the submission, and I believe he was on a path to miss eternal significance. Now, God had a plan in spite of Jonah's weaknesses to pull him back in, but we're not talking about that today. I just want you to be encouraged. We should welcome God's divine intervention and we should welcome the ability to submit to him. And when we do those things, I believe we will put ourselves on a path of eternal significance. So today, I'm going to ask you, are there areas of your life that you have misrecognized as interruptions? Are there areas of your life that you haven't allowed God to be sovereign? Friends, we see Jesus intervening in every one of his followers' lives in the Gospels. And every time they allowed him to divinely intervene and they responded with submission, we saw eternal changes in their life and history. They were significant. Why? Because they recognized better. I believe right now, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, Jesus is ready to intervene in your life. He is calling you to a life of more. He's calling you to a life of hope. He's calling you to find that hope. And he's calling you to bring that hope. But now we have an ultimatum. Will we not only see that he is intervening with us, will we submit to his intervention? And then as a result, find eternal impact. Maybe you're here today and you need to stop fleeing from something. Maybe you've been in a season where you're running from God, running from what he's been telling you, running from a calling, whatever it is, friends, stop running and walk into the arms of the Father. I'm reminded of the story and the parable of the prodigal son, one that had everything before him. He was given it all by his father, but as we know, he took his blessing and his dowry and he took it and he wasted it away partying sinning giving into wickedness then we know his story continues and he ends up eating with the pigs before he decides to go home and submit to himself as a servant 
But as we know the story, he gets there and the father recognizes him and he throws a banquet and a party. He receives him. He puts on his rings. He blesses him and he welcomes him with open arms. Why? Because it was his son and he loved him. And maybe you're here today and you've been in a season where you feel like you rolled around with the pigs. You feel like you're broken. You feel like you've missed it. You feel like you fled to Tarshish one too many times for God to see you or use you. But I'm here to tell you, friend, God loves you. He cares about you and he has the divine design and a purpose for you. He's just ready for you to welcome him and welcome him into your life so that you can be welcomed into his arms. You have to turn to him. Revelation talks about this, that he stands at the door knocking, waiting to be received. Friends, do not be like Jonah at the beginning of this passage, running from God, but instead let us be like the prodigal son at the end who's running to the father. And as we run to the father, we find healing, we find fulfillment, we find purpose, we find power, and we find eternal significance. So right now, I'm just going to pray. God, be with those who are listening to this message. Lord, if they have been misrecognizing you as an interruption, Lord, I pray that they'll turn and say, God, I welcome you into my life. If there's areas that we have not been submitting to your sovereignty and your plans and your power, God, I pray that right now we say, God, I'm giving my heart to you. I'm handing myself over to you. And right now, God, I pray as we do that very thing, Lord, we welcome your son Jesus to intervene and to change us from the inside out. And as we are changed, that we will walk with your son every step of the way. God, I thank you for what you've done. In your name we pray, amen. So friends, I hope you're encouraged. Let's better recognize better. Well, friends, thank you for tuning in with this week's audio message. I hope you were encouraged and I hope you found a little hope for your day. And if you were encouraged and you know someone who would be blessed by this message, feel free to like or share this podcast so that they too can find a little hope. Maybe you're here and you're checking us out for the first time. Feel free to visit us at hopechurchbhm.com slash connect, or you can follow us on social media at hopechurchbhm. And as always, know that you're welcome to join us every single Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for some people with some smiling faces and a little hope. Well, friends, we hope to see you real soon.